Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are we? Good. Glad you guys are here uh, today. Uh, it's a great day. It is an incredible day. We are in week three of Victory Family Kids' Best Day Ever, which is incredible. And so a couple things I want to make sure you know about. So uh, take your kiddos. If you haven't seen them, there's some, there's some exotic animals out here. So what the jungle theme is today. There's also Joe the Donut Man. It's not Joe the Exotic. It's different. Exotic animals. <laughs> Joe the Donut Man is out there, and so stop by, hang out with us, eat lunch with us afterwards, man. Would love for you guys to stick around. Again, we just do these things because we're family, and so, uh, man, the truth is, let me let y'all in on a secret. I'm not super stoked about your kids touching a snake. I don't really care, but I want you to stay and hang out and be family, and so we will do everything we can, really, to get people just to be family and stick around. Uh, I love it. So thanks for being here for that. I do want to make sure you know about a couple things that are going on. So next Sunday is Baptism Sunday, and so listen to me. If you've given your life to Christ, maybe it's been 20 years ago, but you haven't ever been baptized, that's your next step. That's what you're called to do. And so maybe that happens to you today. Maybe God draws you to himself as the Bible says, and you surrender your life to Christ. You should get baptized next week. Uh, I wish we did it every single Sunday. That's what should happen. When you get, when you get saved, you ought to get baptized. It should follow. And so let me just tell you somewhat, let's know a secret here, that as a pastor, somewhat of a nightmare. So this is, this is what I, I lie awake at night thinking about this kind of thing. So let's just say for a number's sake, let's just say there's whatever, 50 people give our life to Christ this year. We'll just say that. But if there's only 10 people get baptized, I think I dropped the ball somewhere. I think we dropped the ball like we didn't explain well enough. Again, baptism, that water next week, there's no salvation power in there. None. There's not. If you're not saved before you get in, you shouldn't get in. So you get in to, to, to display. I want to show the world. And this is what's happened inside of me. Because if you don't know me, you, you can't see inside me. But really, if you're a believer and you see someone get dunked, your first thought is like, they're one of us. Like you should know that's what it means. And so that's baptism. And again, it's, it's an outward symbol of something that's taken place on the inside of our, our hearts. This week, though, I want to make sure you know Thrive is Wednesday night. And so many it's just a great time. And we've been doing our own Thrive here for over a year now. Uh, Newcastle, we come together and just worship. If you're like, the preaching is the worst part. I'm only talking for like three minutes on Wednesday night. That's it. I talk for three to five minutes. We just worship. Man, we just go after God with everything we are. And there's no, not, not too many time constraints. Here, we got a one o'clock coming, so I got to get moving. So on Wednesday night, man, we just worship. It's an incredible time. And so love for you to be a part of that. Well, let's get into it. So we're in a series called Designed. And really what we've been talking about is God, God designed us in a certain way that's honoring to him. And so though many of us have received some common graces from God, like he designed me to like certain things that I, I really enjoy. And I'm, I'm blessed by that. But at the end of the day, he designed me the exact way. Everything he gave me is really to bring glory and honor to him. Make sure you always understand that. So God built us, God designed us to, to be and to do a few different things. First week, we talked about that God designed us for a relationship. We are not meant to 
to work and walk in this world all by ourselves. It's a tough place. Like it just is. Like Genesis chapter three, fallen worlds, where we're at, it's a tough road for many of us to walk down. So man, though it be, man, if I didn't have a Christian brother in my life to lean on when stuff gets tough, if I didn't have a Christian woman in maybe your life to, to, to lean on, we have to have other people in our lives, again, all by design. That's the way you are created, to lean on another believer in Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about worship. And so you don't got to watch too much television if it be a concert or football game. People just worship. They do. Uh, That's what you're built for. We've got to make the object of our worship Jesus. So sometimes even grateful, incredible, God-fearing believers in Jesus, man, we, we drift a little and we begin worshiping the creation sometimes and not the creator. So we fall in love with something God's given us. And and oftentimes we'll begin seeking the hand of God instead of the face of God. And so again, we got to make sure our object of our worship, you're worshiping, the object has to be Jesus. Because again, that's the way you were created. You were designed that way. Well, this week I want to talk about how God has designed us, you and me, if you're a believer in Christ, to be the salt and the light of this world. So it was the night before Jesus was actually crucified. He prays this prayer for his disciples and for us. And it goes like this. He says, Father, I do not ask that you take them out of this world. Don't do that. I'm not asking God that you remove them from this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even though I am not of this world. There there are times, if I'm honest, when when I read that, I kind of wish Jesus would have prayed a little different. So so I'm not not ungrateful. I'm unbelievably grateful that Jesus prayed that there would be protection from the evil one. But there are times, if I'm being very vulnerable with you this morning, that I just wish he would have prayed, Father, take them out of this world. Listen, your pastor's not depressed up here. I'm just saying life is tough sometimes. And I kind of wish he'd have said, take them out. Just take them out of this world. I can't wait for that new earth. I can't wait to be with no pain, no sorrow and glory with God. I long for that day, but he doesn't pray that way and he won't. That's not what he does here. Therefore, although we are not of this world, family, we are still in this world, and that is by his design. That's the way he's designed us, and it's for his own reasons. God has chosen not to deliver his people from their responsibilities here on this earth. So just take a sigh out. You ain't going anywhere, at least not right now. Not right now. God has you with some responsibility to take care of while you are here. So the question, I think, needs to be, what are those? What are those responsibilities to the world? What role as a Christian do I need to play in society? Radically different answers have been given to that question. So some would insist that our job is to transform society, whether that's through political or social activism, whatever that is. Our duty, so goes that argument, is to alleviate racial bigotry, eliminate poverty, deliver the oppressed, and do whatever is necessary to rid the earth of all of its injustice. Right, so the other side though, the other would argue that the view of this moral and spiritual decay that our society is, we must withdraw. We must withdraw. So why, why polish brass on a sinking ship, right? So some people say, we got to get back, get, get on it. We got to get away. And so to be honest, I don't know that either one of those answers are super helpful to us today. But here in Matthew chapter five, 
we see what the Lord says you and I are here on this earth for. By using two metaphors, Jesus kind of provides us with this broad outline, this obligation to the people and the institutions that he has us around. He says, number one, you are the salt of the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. I think it's important as we consider these two statements, you're the light and you're the, 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 the salt of the earth. I think it's important to note with this passage, where it falls in the Bible. I think it's always important. When you're reading a passage of scripture, you need to look before and after. Why is it right here? And ask these questions. This passage immediately follows the Beatitudes. I just think it's fascinating. You know what the Beatitudes are, right? So you've heard them before. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So why do you think, I just think it's good to question, why is it that it follows this passage? Well, family, they are setting the stage in how we are to respond to the world. Listen, it's impossible to live according to the norms of the kingdom of God here described in the Beatitudes if you're all by yourself. They don't make any sense. You can't live out the Beatitudes locked in your bedroom at home. It just doesn't make any sense. Blessed are the merciful makes no sense alone. Who are you merciful to? It doesn't make any sense. Blessed are those who are peacemakers makes no sense alone. Who are you going to make peace with? If you're by yourself, blessed are those who are persecuted makes no sense alone. You're not persecuted by yourself. If you're locked in your bedroom, who's persecuting you? So I think these, these virtues, I think these beatitudes in isolation from others easily will degenerate into self-righteousness. So you gotta be careful of that, I think. So again, they're meant to be lived out around. So I think Jesus' point here in the beatitudes are not only to govern our relationship with him, but I think they're also governing our relationship with the world as well. And this is surprising some people. Right, Because when you read these Beatitudes and you really understand what they say, I mean, you think to yourself, sometimes what possible influence could people described in these Beatitudes ever exist in this cold, cold-hearted, tough, dog-eat-dog world that we live in? Like what actual lasting good can the meek and the poor in spirit have in society? People whose passion literally is just for purity, like that's all they want is purity in heart, who yearn for, for not power, but they want to show mercy. Are not these, these are not the sort of people we think of as having a big impact in our life. At least not in America. Like we think about like every, 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 every opinion needs to be heard. I need to make sure I stand strong. Meek, I'm not going to be meek. I got to stand up. I want to be strong. God's made me a man, right? I'm going to stand up for everything I believe in. That's just this this persona that comes on me. And so when we read the Beatitudes, like I think, come on, if I act like that, won't I be ignored? Won't I be overwhelmed by people? And so I, I think often we hear sermons in the Beatitudes and we nod in agreement. But deep down we say, not a chance. If I live like that, I will get mauled in our society, right? Aren't people like this too weak to achieve anything? Especially since they are the minority. People who live like this are not normal. They are the minority. Evidently, though, Jesus doesn't share this opinion. Incredible as it may be, he describes that this handful of Palestinian peasants, these fishermen, his disciples, are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Second, what Jesus says here would be meaningless if it were not for the fact that Christians and the world are distinct. Like they need to be different, distinctly different. The world and Christian should not resemble one another at all. 
So on one hand, you have the earth. The other hand, you have you, and you are the earth's salt. On one hand, you have the world. On the other hand, you have that you are the world's light. Unless we are distinct from the world in such a way that the world knows it, Jesus says it profits very little, actually. In other words, this text is calling us, you and I, to be something I think no one wants to be, and that's different. Like, it's calling us to look different. And I'm not talking about strange and weird. If you're a strange and weird Christian, stop it. Stop doing that. You're making us look bad, right? No, that's not what it's saying. But it is saying, you and I, morally and spiritually, we need to look different. So again, I'm big on this. And I hope you always hear me continue to preach the gospel that works do not save you. But listen, you ought to live in such a way based upon your salvation. We should not look like the world. And here's the problem. Statistically speaking, we're not different. We're just not. Divorce rates the same in the church or outside the church. Lying, cheating on tax, it's the same. Pornography rate, it's the same. It's no different. I think what's what Jesus is talking about. What if it's lost its saltiness? Then what do you do? It's trampled. It's trampled underfoot. It's telling us what none of us want to do. Stand out in the crowd. Don't just blend in, but actually be different. Listen, we don't naturally want to be the salt of the earth. We don't. We want to be the earth. We don't naturally want to be the light of the world. It's much easier and quite, it, frankly, it's safer just to be the world. And so I think Jesus uses these metaphors to tell us a great deal about the world itself. So he's explaining the world. Why in the world would you need to be light? Why would you need to be salt? Because the earth is rotten to the core. It's on a path to destruction. In addition, it's in utter darkness. It's blinded by the truth. For all these kind of pompous worldly claims that it's, the world is so enlightened or it's so progressive, the fact is it's both darkened and deteriorating. It's, it's, it's a world that is decaying. Therefore, Christians, you have to be the salt. It's decaying. Therefore, you have to be the salt. The world that withers in darkness, therefore, you must be the light. So listen, when Jesus calls us the salt of the world, it is much deeper than a salt shaker on your table. It goes much deeper than that. So don't think that way. Let's get in your Bibles. If you have them, open up to Matthew chapter 5. We'll look at this passage starting at verse 13. It says this. This is red letters. So it's Jesus talking. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how should it be? It's, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a light, excuse me, a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that, why would you do it? So that they may see your good works in turn, give glory to your father who is in heaven. So verse 13 and 14, I think this is interesting. This starts with you are. So like it's a command. Like if you're a believer in Christ in your day, listen to me, that's a command. It's not an option. It's not like this would be a good idea. Just like I got this ministry thing figured out. It would be wise for you. It's a command. You are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be salt and light, even if it's hard. That's what you're called to do. I do find it a bit interesting that Jesus connects salt and light together. Like they seemingly have no connection to other, but to speak really how we are called to influence society that's around it. 
So salt, you know this, but it, it preserves, right? It preserves what is good, holy, and righteous, fighting against the moral decay of our society. And light is a guide, and it's to guide people to Jesus. They are connected because they're both so desperately needed. So we both have to preserve what is good and then be the light to what is not good. It's this balance of, of grace and truth. So, so Randy Alcorn said it like this, truth without grace degenerates into this judgmental legalism. Grace without truth degenerates into this deceitful Tolerance. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Well, number one, write this down. Salt preserves. When Jesus says you are the salt, listen, the disciples would have immediately understood the function of salt. Many of them were fishermen by trade, but in the first century, they understand, they all would have understood what he was talking about. Remember, this first century, there's no electricity. There's no sweet refrigerators like y'all got. There's not that. There's, the Iceman hadn't even came up yet. This is first century. None of this is happening. So if you didn't, the fish they caught, if they didn't pack them in salt, it would rot unless they're packed in salt. So once salted, they then could, could be kept to be used whenever, whenever was needed. So let me give you a little, a little science lesson. Ready? Salt reduces the water activity in food. Therefore, bacteria can't grow. So listen, I'm not, I'm a salt expert. I just read this this week. I just learned all this this week. So don't go taking your refrigerator off and putting full of salt. I don't know if you should do that. I think Samsung's a common grace God gave all of us. So keep doing the refrigerator thing, I think. I believe. But understand, without scripture as our moral compass, culture always will drift away toward moral decay. And here's, here's my fear. Here's what I feel like I've seen happen. And I don't feel like I'm that old, but I feel like I've seen this happen in the last 15 years. Like I've watched this happen, that good God-fearing lovers of Jesus sometimes look at the Bible as an opinion. Like I'm gonna do my pros and cons. I'm gonna sort it out. I'm gonna call mom. I'm gonna call dad. I'm going to let the Bible weigh in. And hopefully the Bible's on the right side. I, I, you wouldn't say you do that, but I watch people do it all the time. No, 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 no. If you're a believer in Christ, this is all we have. This is the only thing that is true. I'm not saying you shouldn't heed good advice, but that it better be from godly people who understand this book and want to read this book. It has to be the spiritual, moral compass, or, or who knows where we'll be. If the church stopped thinking this as the way, man, we are in a world of hurt. As followers of Christ, we are called to pres preserve the gospel. So when the world drifts toward greed, we preserve generosity. So when the world drifts toward division, we preserve unity. When the world drifts toward relative truth and morality, no, no, no. We preserve the truth and the morality given to us in God's word. I think a lot of Christians, man, have a natural tendency to preserve their religion, so to speak, to isolate from the world, right? So I'm going to get saved. Listen, if you came out of this, this, this alcoholic background and you've been in the bar your whole life, I'm not saying you should go back. I'm just saying, I don't think you should go home and get in your holy bubble and never leave your house. Like I, we're not called to do that. We're, we're not called to be nervous that someone could penetrate our godly bubble. That, that's not what we're called to do. You remember, man, when we gave your life to Christ, some of you guys that are at least my age or something, man, we burned CDs. We burned our CDs, man. We didn't listen to that junk anymore, man. I remember like we stopped doing all these things. Some of y'all stopped going to the bowling alley. Too many cigarettes there. Like we stopped going and doing these things, right? This great advice, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't date girls who do. You remember that? 
that's good advice. That's, that's pretty good advice. We can still probably heed even today, right? But understand, listen to me. It's not about, it's not about preserving this like religious tradition. It's about preserving what comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, preserving his words and his intended context. So let's look at John 17. This is what I talked about at the beginning. He says to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of this world. It's not what he's praying. I I want you to keep them here, actually. But that you would keep them from the evil one. Glory to God. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them, grow them, build their faith in the truth. Your word, that's it. That's all you got. You want the truth? This is it. There's nothing else. This is it. In the truth, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So we are called to take what we're preserving into the world. Jesus asked, but what if? What if salt loses its saltiness? How can it be made salty again? Because it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, the scriptures say. So it's just like that fish, right? If it was set out in the sun with no salt, it begins to decay. It's not useful anymore. So when we begin to live like the world, I'm talking to believers, you begin living like the world, you're not useful to salt and light. I'm not saying you're a terrible human. I'm just saying you're not useful to being salt and light when we begin living like the world. So we're called to be different than the world, but we're not called to be isolated from the world. Look at the book of Revelation. Jesus calls the the church of Laodicea. Remember he calls them lukewarm. Remember that? You can see that in, in Revelation. Like, like, he, he says he would rather you be hot or cold. Listen, let me tell you what he's not saying. I think this is misunderstood a lot. He's not saying, I wish you would be in love with me or hate me. That's not what he's saying at all. Like Laodicea is this aqueduct area where literally like the hot water would have to travel in, in some type of, of, probably not a pipe, but somehow get down like six miles. And by the time the hot water got there, it's lukewarm. Therefore, it's useless. So what he's saying in here is like, you, you gotta be used. You gotta be valuable to being salt and light. So they understood hot was useful, cold was useful. Jesus is saying you're lukewarm, like you've become useless to the kingdom of God. You're not useful to the kingdom if we stay in these walls. Like I'm not useful to the kingdom if all I do is stand up here and yell for 25 minutes every week. Like I'm not useful to the kingdom if all I do is inside these walls. We have to be useful. We have to add value to the world outside. You must add value when you stop at 7-Eleven. You must add value because it's dark. It's a dark world. Understand the Bible just told you the world is decaying. Like it's dark and you're called to be the light. You have to go add value to all these places that he's called you to be. We're called to be salt of the earth, then the light of the world. So the next part here, Matthew 5, 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all of the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and then give glory to your father who is in heaven. Light has so many purposes. Let me give you two that I think biblically that really make sense in this context. So write this down. Number two, light drives out darkness. So darkness cannot exist with the presence of light. It doesn't matter how how dark it is. You say, you don't get my workplace, it's dark. But if you roll up with the light of Christ, it's not possible. It can't be dark. Dark can't exist with the presence of light. 
So John 8, 12 says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. That's Jesus talking about himself. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so I like to think of it like this, the best way I can think about it. So if Jesus is the light of the world, yet he calls you and I to be the light of the world, honestly, it's a little confusing to me. If he's the light and he wants me to be the light, it gets confusing. Think about it like this. Think about the moon and the sun. So, so you know this, it's seventh grade science. You, you know that the moon's not putting off any light. It's the sun. It's merely reflecting the sun's light to the world. So, so if the sun goes out, well, number one, we're all in trouble, no matter what. We're in trouble, the sun goes out, right? It's me cold around here. But there's no light. The moon doesn't have light without the sun reflecting. So listen, you don't either. You have no light to shine. You merely have Jesus' light to reflect off of your world and your, your life. When we are a reflection of Jesus' light, we guide people to Jesus. You remember, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Think about the stories in the Bible. Like he was a friend of sinners. He went to them. He, he loved them. He forgave them. He hung out with them. He hung out with those. He had dinner with those. He sat in their homes. You and I are called to be a reflection of Jesus to lost people. Listen to me, family. If you don't have any kind of influence of unbelievers around you, you're missing this. You're missing this. I'm not saying you gotta have the worst friends ever that do this and this and this. I'm just saying, if there's no unbelievers around you, you're just shining a light in this bright room. And it's not really valuable. We don't really need it. We have these, these incredible lights in here. We don't need more light in here. So you, you have to have at least a, a group of people you're strategically going to, maybe day to day, where you're taking your light of Christ. Again, follow me as I follow Jesus. You're taking that back to them. So ask yourself, what do you reflect? You reflect something. Something bounces off of you, so to speak, and people see it. What is that? Is it Jesus? Because I'm telling you, if it's Jesus, we will reflect hope. You and I, we will reflect peace, joy, eternity, purpose. It's just a fact. People will want to follow you because of the light that Jesus is reflecting off of you. I think oftentimes, though, man, believers, man, we get so caught up in our, in our, in our Christian kind of holy huddles. Man, we just want to shine on Sundays or we shine in our small group. So if that's the case, why would we be shocked if that's true? Why would it be shocked that a world full of sin, when the light of Jesus has retreated behind the walls of this building? So I'll be honest, I'm never shocked. I don't think there's much things you could tell me that I'm shocked of. I'm just not. I'm never shocked when I watch the news. I'm not shocked. I'm devastated. I'm brokenhearted at times, but never shocked. Almost, almost always my first thought is I thought it'd be worse. I thought it'd probably be worse. And you say, well, you're a pessimist, Pastor Matt. No, I'm not. I understand sin. I understand what it does to people. And I understand how horrific and dark our world is. And I see Jesus pleading with us. You are the light. You must go. I don't know why Jesus chose us. I don't, I don't get it. But that's the plan. The plan is you. The plan is me, that we would take our light into this dark, dark world. The world needs you desperately. I'm not saying if you decide to quit this thing, man, that God's not going to find it done. God's going to get his will done. End of story. Never think that, that his will depends on you because it doesn't. He does what he chooses to do. But he, if he chooses me, why would I not want to step into that? 
Like, I don't know, maybe God's plan for the, for the, for the, the RB66 guy, like maybe his plan is me because I stopped there a lot. Maybe his plan is me. Like, I don't know. But what if, what if the coworker, the guy you can't stand at your office, like what if, what if God's plan is you for him actually? Like what if it's you? Because light drives out darkness. Your light drives out darkness. Your reflection of Jesus. So light drives out darkness. Not only that, last one, number three, light guides. Jesus is our ultimate guide, right? We point people to Jesus. We should, we should say this all the time. No, no, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Don't look at me, look at Jesus, which is why I think it's so profound what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Be imitators of me. Here you go. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You can follow me as I follow Jesus, but understand you're following, you're just following through me. That's all you're doing. You're following Jesus. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love I love being around people who don't know Jesus. Because I just truly believe if I can just hang out with them long enough, like I just think they'll want to know the Lord. And it's not because I have the right things to say because sometimes I say the wrong things. It's not that. I just think if they could truly, if I could give them a glimpse, that's why it's so important for believers to be real with people. If they can see a glimpse into my life, Maybe they'll see how God blesses me, how he leads me, how he forgave me, how he uses me. Maybe they'll see that. Again, so important to be real. Don't act like your life is easier than someone who's not a believer. But show them when times get tough, man, I I have somewhere to lean. I lean into Jesus. And that is desirable. That is contagious. So be real with people. Man, life is tough. Life is struggling, but I'm leaning in to Jesus. We're not called to be hidden. We're called to shine. So people will be drawn to Jesus. Think about it like this. If you're in the dark in the woods, who do you follow? The guy with the flashlight. You don't go try to pass him. Like if it's completely dark, you know, I'm leading, I'm leading. No, you're not. You stay behind the guy with the light. Always. Listen, believers in Christ, if that's you, you got to get out front. You have to get out front and lead. People will naturally follow the light. Think about it like this. So let's just say today, 1130 experience, we're going on a field trip tonight. Okay, that'd be fun. BSC Newcastle field trip. Let's just say we're going to this extremely dark forest. I don't know why we chose that, but that's where we're at. And so we're in this extremely dark forest. It's so dark, like crazy dark. Like we can barely see it right in front of us, man. There, there's cliffs, there's ravines everywhere. We're out there just, just struggling to try to find our way back to the church. And suddenly, we, we barely make it. We barely make it back to the church. We're like, oh my gosh, how in the world do we make it back to the church? And we're talking about it. And then you see old Pastor Matt over there. Like literally, he's just like this, doing animals on the, on the ceiling. And you're like, bro, are you kidding me? Like I'm doing this, that's scary, right? So you're like, dude, are you serious? Like you had that light the whole time we were out there? And I'm like, I, I didn't know we all wanted it. I, I didn't know that's what y'all wanted. But we barely made it. But it's fun. You know, a couple of you guys are mad. You're leaving the church over because I have my flashlight out, right? But other than that, we make a joke about it. It's not a big deal. We're all here. We're talking about it. I don't want to over make this super dramatic, but let's just pretend like we lost a few. Let's say we lost a few people. Like a few people fell off the cliff, actually. Like they didn't make it back to the church. That laughter suddenly goes to real anger at this pastor. Like you had a light the whole time, bro, when we lost people. I, I say that to say that's what's going on. 
That's what's going on. We're walking in the dark. You believer, you oh follower of Jesus, you have a light. And it's much more powerful than that snapping light. Much more powerful. But often we, we hide it in our backpack and we never get it out until we get back with the church folk. And then we just shine it around. We shine it around. Listen, it's dark. The world needs you. God has called you to be in the world. Be strategic with your light. That's how you are when you walk in a dark forest. You don't walk the dark forest like this. It don't make any sense. Like, where do you shine it? Where you ha- want to expel the darkness. So, you know, think about it right now. Pray, ask God, show me darkness. You're the light. That's what he said. God, where should I shine this light? Maybe it is your workplace. Maybe it's down the street, your neighbor's house. Some of it's in your family. Where do I shine this light in this dark area you've put me in? Be strategic with your light. Amen. Listen, God, God doesn't have to use us, but he chose to. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are the light. God, and we even thank you, even though I said contrary, I thank you, God, for leaving us here. God, because I know there's something you have for us. God, my prayer today first, God, is for those who would would say they love you, You are their Lord. You are their Savior. God, I pray for a supernatural, a supernatural courage to be a light in the dark world. God, a a supernatural sense of courage to be the, the salt into a moral decaying world. We want to follow you. God, help us to lead lives where we can boldly say, yeah, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. God, in my prayer would be today that hearing that I'm the light, hearing that we are the light, that we are the salt, God, my prayer is that would feel a little bit heavy today. That you've chosen us to be plan A. God, I I feel that should be that should feel a little weighty this morning. And so God, help us to bear that as we leave this place today. Help us to be strategic with the light. Where do we need to shine this light? There's darkness all around. Where where can we shine this to be most effective? Or maybe you would say this. Maybe you sit there to yourself and if you were honest, you would say, there's darkness all around me. That's all I see is darkness. I've lived life for a long time on my own. I don't have any real hope. It's just dark. Everyone looked just dark. Well, the scriptures say that God sent his son Jesus to be the light, to be your light, that you may see him and you see him. And what's going on is he's drawing you to himself, that you would learn to follow him. He would be your Lord. He would become captain of your life. And suddenly you become the light. You begin reflecting his light in and through you. So if that's you today, man, you've never said yes to Jesus, but you say, man, today's my day. I don't know what tomorrow happens. The Bible just said he's gonna sanctify you. He's gonna grow you in his truth, in his word. It's not gonna look a ton different tomorrow, but I'm telling you, in a year, it's gonna be different. He's gonna keep growing you. So if that's you today and you've never said yes to Jesus, man, I just want you to slip up your hand. Yeah, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. Today's my day. I surrender my life to you, God. I want us all as a family. Pray this prayer out loud together. Pray this way. Father God, thank you for being the light.
for being my light. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.